the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights Sunday night. That's where we are. Thank you for listening. I praise God for you. We pray that God would allow you to receive the things that we're saying. Once again, we talk about the things that you won't hear in most churches. You know, we talked about all the dangers last couple of years, and now we're talking about sin. Uh, they're not talking about sin in church, and you need to address sin. You know, we're not telling you to have a sin consciousness. No, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you're also a sinner. And Christians still sin. And thank the Lord, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is part four. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been getting into this, and we're going to break it down, break it down. I know in our Bible study, we're going to start picking on particular sins in the next week or two, such as pride, lust. What is it? The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the... Pride of life, we'll be talking about all of that. But today, I want to continue in on sin. Um, the foundation scriptures, Matthew one twenty one, And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. That's why Jesus came. Hebrews 9.26, For then must he often have suffered, Jesus, since the foundation of the world, but no, now only once in the end of the world hath Jesus appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So that's why Jesus came. Hallelujah. You know, I cannot summarize the next comments that I've got for you. I took some of them from Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, just wonderful writer, and I can't say anything better uh, than the way he said it, so I'm going to take a couple of quotes out of what he wrote there, so important, so important. And I'm not trying to exalt man's wisdom over above revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit of God, but when God speaks to men, sometimes it's worth writing down and sometimes it's worth repeating. And this is one of those instances here. Thank you, Lord. I love this because he's revealing the heart of God concerning sin and concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. So understanding that Jesus Christ came to put away sin, you know, Modern teachers, modern pastors, they are talking about how Jesus came to reveal the goodness and the love of God. That's true. That's true. But it shouldn't trump the message about Jesus and sin and mankind's sin. Uh, he also appeared, Jesus, to exhibit perfect manhood and to let us see what our nature should look like. Amen. True. But that is not the main thrust of the gospel message. He appeared, they say, to manifest self-sacrifice. And to set us an example of love towards others, love, love, love. Well, amen, but we've got to understand sin, sin, sin is mentioned almost twice as many times in the Bible as love, love, love. 
and we've got to address the sin issue. We can't put it on the back burner. Uh, as Spurgeon writes, to put the secondary ends, the love, the goodness, and the perfect example of mankind, to put the secondary ends into the place of the grand object, grand object being Jesus came to offer himself a sacrifice for our sin, to put the secondary ends into the place of the grand object is to turn the truth of God into a lie by focusing on the results of what he did by focusing on other aspects of what his trip to earth gave us instead of pounding that primary reason he came, it's distortion of the truth. And by exaggerating one portion of truth and diminishing another, that in itself could be considered a sin. When we talk about Christianity, when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about Jesus, it's to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That trumps anything else. Jesus came. Why did Jesus came? He came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. We must go back to preaching that. There's a huge sin problem in, in the world today. There's a huge sin problem in our nation. And unfortunately, there is a huge sin problem within the church as well. We mustn't fail when talking about Jesus. We must remember his purpose. We can no longer separate Christ from the cross. Let me say that again. We must stop separating Christ from the cross. What does the cross represent? It represents condemnation. And it represents condemnation for what? For our sin. But when you connect Christ, when you put him on his price, you know, sin put Christ on the cross. Love kept him on the cross. And it's our job to receive that. There's conviction when you talk about sin. We don't want to convict anybody now. We think that makes them uncomfortable. Well, you're darn sure it does. That's the whole idea of it. You're supposed to be convicted. You know, you're not supposed to be comfortable in your sin. That was never God's plan for your life. It's supposed to condemn you in your heart. And you better deal with that and repent because if you don't, you then will find out in the final judgment, you will be condemned to eternity and eternity apart from God. Mm. This aspect of Jesus is so much under assault today. Sin, we don't want to talk about it. We brag that we don't want to talk about it. We've eliminated it. Matter of fact, it's under assault right now in Webster's Dictionary. Matter of fact, nine years ago, the Oxford Dictionary, which is basically considered the dictionary in the entire world, it's got a, a historical head start on Webster. And basically, the Oxford Dictionary and the Webster Dictionary are very closely aligned. And normally what one does, the other one will follow. Well, the Oxford Dictionary, nine years ago, it removed the word sin from its listings. Really, and here's the reason why. Because it said... Sin, the word sin, has fallen into disuse and is not recognized by the younger generation. Well, I'll be. What does that tell you? That tells you the older generation is not doing the job of preparing the younger generation to understand sin and the danger to their souls. The reason Christ came to the earth to defeat sin's power over man. All Satan's people, all of his weaponry is being summoned in this last day, set in battle array against that truth. Sure, it's offensive. Uh, Bobby, you're a sinner. Miguel, you're a sinner. You know, Danita, you are a sinner. That's what they need to do. That is their spiritual state. 
Okay, they're not being bad. They're not uh, lost. They're dead. They are dead in their sin and trespasses. Jesus Christ came to give them life to deliver them from the power of sin over their lives. Jesus didn't do away with sin. Sin's still out there. And yet what he did was he broke the power of sin over mankind. But only those who are in Christ will recognize that and walk in the freedom of that. Actually, the Bible talks about the fact in Romans 5.17 that we are kings in this earth, but we are kings in the realm of the Spirit, and we are ruling and reigning over sin in our lives because of what Christ has done. Hallelujah. I love it. Remember Cain, though. uh, Let me read Genesis 4, 4 through 7. This is the advent of sin in the human race, Cain and Abel. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. God did not regard Cain's offering. So Cain became very angry and his face was gloomy. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face gloomy? If you do well, will your face not be cheerful? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. For Cain, God's rejection of his offering led to a downcast spirit. He was sulking. Cain was wounded. Cain was hurt, perhaps pridefully so. And it showed in the attitude and his demeanor that he walked around with. And the result of that, the result of you guys being offended, the the result of us being wounded, it's a root of bitterness, can spring up. But sin was lurking at the door, ready to devour him. And eventually it did. And that's a shame. Warren Wiersbe writes it this way. I love it. Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. That's so good. His heart wasn't right with God. Cain was not a good guy. You know, he was vicious, he was terrible, and he wound up killing his brother. And that is a picture of what sin can do to mankind when he is left unguarded. So important. So Cain had a heart problem. He didn't have an offering problem. He had a heart problem. And as God told Cain, I'm telling you, you must master sin. But walking around prideful or wounded or offended is an open door for sin to enter into your life. And it has the potential to destroy you just like it destroyed Cain. The Amplified Version says you must overpower sin. Why? Because Satan's desire is to overpower you. But sin is always lurking at the door. It still is. Matter of fact, many of us live our lives through it. Sin with the door open. <laughs> Many of us let him in. Satan doesn't even have to knock. We go out and we find him and we open him up, let him in, and we're destroyed. Thank God for Jesus. There is an answer to sin. His name is Jesus. He has already defeated sin. And let me tell you about something. If you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have some hardship uh, and you're going to have some trials and some temptations. But God has given you some insight into how to resist the enemy. You know, resist the devil and he will flee. Luke 9.23, And Jesus said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross daily, and let him follow me. This is so good. I love it. And, you know, in my Bible, it's written in all red. That means these are Jesus' words. So let's just cut to the chase here in that verse. And the key there is the last two words, follow me. There's actually three directives there in those verses, but let's read them first. Number one, deny yourself. That's right. That's a commandment. You say no to sin. Notice, deny self. No more selfies. 
You know, we live our lives around ourselves. That's not Christianity. Let a man not think of himself more highly than he ought to. We're sinners. In God's eyes, we're filthy. We're filthy rags, the Bible talks about. I won't get gross and talk about the actual rags that that references. But we are filthy in the eyes of God outside of Christ Jesus. We are dead and we are filthy. Denying self is a good step to get back into relationship with God. Self should never be a word that's used in Christianity. Me, 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 I, I, I. Even our worship songs, we never worship God hardly ever anymore. We sing songs about ourselves. I am a friend of God. Hallelujah. No, no. You are a child of God. Well, yeah, you're a friend of God, but you're not supposed to be doing that during worship time. There's entertainment. There's Christian entertainment. Then there's worship. They never too should cross. You're not there to entertain God. He's not here to entertain you. You are here to worship God. Those that seek God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Your heart has to be right. That was Cain's problem. His heart was not right with God. Your heart needs to be right. Quit talking about self. Quit living for what's already dead. You're supposed to be dead. I am crucified with Christ. I still live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My flesh is dead. Hallelujah. Quit waking him up. Quit putting him back on. No self, no sin. If you don't deny yourself, you're going to deny Jesus. That's just a plain fact of the matter. That's the truth. If you do not deny yourself, you're going to deny Jesus. Only one person can sit on the throne of your heart. It's either you or Jesus. You have to decide. If you are living for yourself, you are not living for Jesus. These are some hard truths your pastor is not going to tell you. They are challenging you. Hopefully they are convicting you and they are bringing repentance, not remorse, not godless sorrow, but godly sorrow. Second, take up your cross, right? And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross Daily, every day, every day. This is ongoing. This is a lifelong process. This is a lifestyle. Denying yourself, taking up your cross daily. In Roman times, uh, the cross was a symbol of certain death to the Romans. It was an embarrassment for one to be carrying it. It was a reminder that certain death awaited them. Tosher explains it like this. To be crucified with Christ means three things. Number one, a man who is crucified or about to be crucified is facing only one way. He's got his cross, he's taken up his cross, and the Roman soldiers were marching him to the side of the road or to the hill where he would be crucified. He's only facing one way. Number two, a man who is crucified, he's not going back. No, this is it. Dead. This is your final walk, your last race. You're dragging. You've got a heavy burden upon you. You're looking forward. This is how we need to be. We're carrying a weight, the weight of our self-sin, our self-glorification. We've got to put it down. We've got to put it down. Jesus, for the joy that was before him, he went willingly to the cross. Remember, sin sent him there. Love kept him there. Number three, he's not going back. He has said his goodbyes, and that's it. He's got no further plans of his own. And this is the three things Tozer talks about. Number one, He's facing only one way. Number two, he knows he's not going back. And number three, he has no further plans of his own. That is a picture of you denying self, crucifying yourself. Paul, I am crucified with Christ. That is the mindset we need to adopt. Ron Geyer is dead. The things that I'm speaking to you now, Ron Geyer could care less. But Christ in me loves you with a pure heart. And so I am representing God by Ron Geyer being dead and Jesus Christ speaking through me for you. 
Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's how you stay free from sin. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like you're getting dressed, doesn't it? Well, when you get up in the morning, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to put on that rock and roll music. You don't need to put on Fox News or CNN. You need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual dressing. Hallelujah. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of it. Paul uses the phrase getting dressed. And you need to be dressed spiritually. Put you on. He's saying wear Christ. W-E-A-R. Wear Christ. By doing that, one sight will be changed. Let me give you an example. I loved baseball. I grew up as a kid wanting to be a professional baseball player. And the day of the game or the night of the game, I'd get my uniform on as quickly as I was able to. I got it on. I stood in front of the mirror. I got my glove, went outside, played catch, hit the ball, did whatever I could. But I kept the vision of my baseball game before me. I had a pro vision for playing ball. Well, that's what Paul is telling us here. Keep your vision for Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For me, there was nothing else I'd rather do. I look forward to the game later on, and I would keep the vision of playing baseball that night in the front of my mind. It was always there. Lord knows how many times I would walk by the bathroom mirror just to check it out. And that's all I thought about. I was going to play baseball that night. So hallelujah. Do that with Christ. Have that mindset with Christ. Wear Christ continually. Don't have a provision for fleshly appetites, right? And make not provision for the flesh. Provision. What are you looking at? You're looking at that big steak. You're looking at that sexy dressed woman. You're looking at the alcohol that calls you as you walk by the liquor store. Don't be looking at that. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is daily. This is something that happens every day, several times a day. You're thinking about the Lord. That's why it's so important. Your word, Lord, have I hidden my heart that I would not sin against thee. You know, we don't drift in and out of our responsibility as Christians. You know, all of this is to lead us so that we may follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't change. You know, we're not in Christ one day and out of Christ the other day. We have an eternal relationship, spirit to spirit. Now, sin breaks our fellowship. It doesn't break our relationship necessarily, but it does break our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're to take up our crosses. That's right. We have crosses to bear, Paul says. Paul says, take it up daily. Carry that cross. It's a reminder of what Jesus came to the earth for. Why? To deliver me from my sin. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.20, let me read it to you again. I am crucified with Christ. I am dead. Christ has died for me. I have died in honor to him. Nevertheless, I'm still alive. I am crucified, but I'm alive. But not I am alive, but Christ lives in me. Don't forget the gospel. It doesn't make bad people good. It makes dead people alive. That's quite a difference here. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ is living in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, in the earth suit, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, he gave his life for me, I'm giving my life for him. It's very simple. In order for one to be truly crucified with Christ, though, one must get on the cross, not just carry it, you got to get on the cross, too. We talk about this all the time. When we were teaching marriage classes, we were talking about the fact that Uh, When you get saved, you meet Christ at the foot of the cross. But not until you get on the cross does he become your Lord. He's my Savior at the foot of the cross. He's my Lord when I allow myself to get on the cross, when I truly am crucified. Hallelujah. 
Philippians 3.10, Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That I may know him. That's a very intimate cry. How many of you prayed that this morning when you get up? Right? Lord, I'd like to know him. I'd also like to know the power of his resurrection. Great, says the Lord. And the fellowship of his sufferings. I know you didn't pray that. Being made conformable unto his death. Being made like him in his death. You know, his death is the picture of the cost that he had to pay for your sin that you don't have to pay. That's the glory. That's the joy. That's the, that's the message of the cross. You living inside of Christ who died for your sins so you don't have to. But while you are here, you must judge yourself on a regular basis that you still sin. That's why you come before the Lord. And you receive cleansing. You receive forgiveness for your sin. Hallelujah. Paul understood this so much so that he could actually pray that prayer. He was willing to die for his existence just as Christ was. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What must you do in order to experience resurrection power in your life? What must you do? You have to die. It's that simple. Only dead things are resurrected. Well, that's the life that God promises you. Romans 6, 7. Look at the rewards, though. For he that is dead is freed from sin. That is so good. I could talk about that for a year. Your death will produce you freedom from your sin in Christ. But you've got to put away these earthly lusts, these carnal desires, these fleshly appeals. You've got to be made free from them. You cannot do it on your own. Only in Christ do you have the power to do those things. How many of you have tried to quit smoking on your own? How many of you tried to quit drinking on your own? You can do it with the strength of the Holy Spirit inside you. That's the glory of serving a resurrected Jesus Christ. He's not coming back. No, not now. He's coming back to judge you, but he's not coming back to die again for you. He did it once. That's sufficient. What he does, though, he sends the Holy Spirit inside you to give you that resurrection power, that resurrection life that will help you appropriate the promises of God that has destroyed the power of sin. That's the sorrow. That's the shame of what's going on in our churches. We're not talking about sin. And so people are still in bondage to their sin. If we would tell them what I just told you, that you no longer have to live in the bondage of sin. You've been made free from sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's the glorious message of Christ in the gospel. Lastly, Jesus says, follow me. Jesus never said, follow a set of rules. He didn't say, follow a set of mandates. He didn't say, do a bunch of rituals. He didn't say, go through all these ceremonies. He said, follow me. He wants it personal. You and him. He wants it intimate. He says, I not only know the way, he goes, I am the way. It's such a high, glorious walk with the Lord that's available to every single one of us. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Being born again, being a disciple is so much more than keeping the commandments or bringing his life into our lives. Most of us make room for him and we try to accommodate him into our earthly situations. No, following Jesus means there is nothing else ahead of us. There is nothing else before us. There is nothing that's between you and him. You are following on his coattails. You are living with him, in him. That's how close we are to be following. We must never lose sight of him. When you're following closely, you will never lose sight of him. Never take your eyes off of him. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. That's what Paul says, right? Right? Make no provision 
to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, wear him. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You have to endure your cross too. You have to carry it, pick it up. You got to get on it and you got to stay on it. Despising the shame of the cross and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the things that Christ has done for us regarding sin, we lose all that when we don't want to talk about sin. The process of his death, burial, and resurrection is lost when we neglect to tell the people of the earth that God sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for your sin. That was his goal, and he already did it. It's a done deal. Lord God, I pray that the people listening would receive that truth into their lives, that the penalty for their sin is a done deal. I pray that they would understand and receive the truth of the resurrected Jesus Christ, that they too can be made free from their sin just by accepting the fact that they are a sinner, that they need a Savior. His name is Jesus, and glory to God, he will call whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray, I pray that you put aside the other things. You look to Jesus Christ and you make that call in your life today. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.